welcome to the Teen Boss Babe podcast. I'm your host, Paola, founder of Socials by Paola and Teen Boss Babes. I'm obsessed with supporting young entrepreneurs on making their business dreams come true. Stick around with me and learn all about starting your journey, how to grow, how to be successful, other boss babe journeys, and my journey. Now, let's get into being a Teen Boss Babe. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Teen Boss Babe podcast. Today, we have Brittany. Brittany's a brand strategist and photographer who helps course creators in the health and wellness community. I'm so excited to learn more about her story and I hope you guys are too. Hi, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. I'm so excited to learn more about your journey and I hope my listeners are excited as well. So are you ready to jump into some questions? Yeah, let's do it. So first, just let us know who you are and what you do and what exactly who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, like you said, I'm Brittany Gardner. I am a brand strategist and branding photographer. I came to that through a variety of other things. I started out as a wedding and family portrait photographer, and it's been quite a bit of time since I began that. But my my goal in everything I've done work-wise has always been to help people see the beauty in themselves and express it. So when I was doing wedding photography, that was a little bit more like on the very literal side of showing people their beauty. And then when I moved more into the branding side of things as a strategist, it's helping people see the strengths and the skills that they have and using them in a way to actually help them make money and turn around and then help other clients do the same thing. Thank you. I love that. I'm excited to learn more about like what is brand strategy and photography in your eyes. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How or when did you start? both of your businesses or one of them, or how did you like intervine both of them and create a whole masterpiece that you have now? Yeah. So I fell into my first business kind of by accident. I was 20 years old. I actually, I think at the time this starts, I was actually only 19. So I was 19. I was leaving college because I had originally wanted to be a microbiology and genetics major. And then I decided I wanted to move into the art school. I was going to UCLA and their schools are always impacted. They have too many students for what they offer and they wouldn't allow me to transfer from one kind of degree to another degree. And their guidance counselors there were basically saying along the lines of, well, you could just do general education classes for a while and hopefully in two years, you'll be able to transfer into the art school. And that seemed like a lot of wasted time to me. I was really excited to do things not sit around and wait to do them. So I left college and my parents were, shall we say, displeased. And they basically said, you better get a job. We're not supporting you. We're not helping you. And I met a wedding photographer while I was at a coffee shop and he needed an assistant and it seemed like a great thing. I had done photography in high school. I was like the yearbook editor and I I loved the whole process of photography. So I was like, cool. I'll be a photographer. And that's why I say I fell into it by accident. There was an opening, there was a need. I had a skill set that was fairly close in line, not perfect. And I went with it. So that's how I started my first business. And then after successfully operating that business for over a decade, I grew up. I was now past 30 in terms of years. And I got married, I had a child, and I did not want to spend my weekends working constantly. I wanted to have family time. I wanted other things. You know, my life and priorities had completely changed. So I moved into branding photography because again, I had skills I could translate into another arena 
And I knew a lot of business owners after networking for over a decade, they all needed headshots for their websites. They needed photos and quickly realized they also needed brand strategy. And thus my second business was born. Thank you. I like that I was able to learn that you didn't really start from like applying to a position. It kind of just like came open to you. And I feel like that is something that could happen to people. It's not always like the number one, you know, way to get a job, but it's really cool to see that there's stories that start out like that and it's able to help you grow just from, you know, meeting someone at a coffee shop. I think that's super, super interesting. Um, so kind of really explain a little bit about why you started your business, but do you have any more like in-depth detail of like, why did you start all of this and why did you start your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. So for the beginning part of the story, uh, as a wedding photographer, there's not really a job you can apply for. And I should, I should include a caveat here. There are some companies that do what we, what people in the wedding industry would call like a wedding mill type job of photography but that's not personal and it doesn't serve the client nearly as well. So really the only way to be in that field is to own your own business. So that is why I started that business. That's why I became an entrepreneur in the first place. And and I'll tell you from the get-go, being a business owner was not my primary goal. I wanted to do something that I love and make money doing it. And that's why I became a business owner. And again, you know, 10, 15 years later, my life goals and my priorities had significantly changed. I, you know, had one kid at the time and I was married. I didn't want to spend my weekends working for other people. And because I had left school at such a young age, I didn't have a degree I could fall back on. So my really only options again were to go the entrepreneurial route. I had a ton of skills as a small business owner, things that should translate into being hireable at a job, but they're just not, you know, even, even great jobs that would encompass all of the skill set I did have, they weren't paying much, you know, 15, maybe $17 an hour. And that might sound a lot if you're at one stage of life, but when you're at the stage of life where you owned a house, you had a child, you were looking at retirement funding, you know, starting to create college funds for your kids. Um, that kind of salary just wasn't going to cut it. So my real only option was being an entrepreneur. That said, I love the flexibility that owning my own business has given me in life. I now have two children. And when we decided to have our second child, I didn't want to be working so many hours because even though I was an entrepreneur and one would think I could make my own schedule, I was spending a lot of time working and and a good chunk of it was busy work. So when we decided to expand our family. I did not want to spend so much time just working for the sake of working. And I kind of reformatted my business entirely. I was already doing brand strategy as a business at that point, but I wanted to do less in-person work, more online work. And that really required me to become very intentional about what I was doing. And these days I work about 15 hours a week including doing interviews like this one. This is part of, you know, my outreach and, and, and my marketing and how I serve other people in the great worldwide audience. But all of that has to fit in with the schedule I've created for my family to allow all of that. And, and being an entrepreneur does allow for that flexibility. Yeah, thanks for sharing that because a lot of entrepreneurs don't really share their journey on how much time you spend 
in having a business. I'm 17, barely, and I just started this eight months ago. And it's so much time and it's so much effort that you have to put into your work daily. It's crazy. Like thinking about it, you're like, yeah, I can work whenever I feel like it. Like I'm not going to work today, but I'm going to work, going to work tomorrow. But you're literally working all day, every day. And it's, it's also time that, like you said, you have to find like those hours that you like put yourself to because it is, it does turn into just like busy work because you have to feel productive because you're like, if I don't do something today, I'm not going to progress. Yeah. A friend of mine is really fond of saying that, you know, you should become a business owner, become an entrepreneur and you can work half days like the rest of us. And you know, the person opposite him is always like, oh, that sounds great. He's like, no, no, no. Half days, 12 hours, 12 out of 24. And you know, it's, it's good for a laugh, but it's, it's also kind of true, especially in the building phase. And once you get past that building phase, you have more opportunities to do things like what I have done and scale back your working hours. You may also end up scaling your income back as you do that, but you have the opportunity and the, the option at least. And, and I think truly being an entrepreneur, that's what it's all about is, is creating options because making a lot of money is great, but having time, time is something you can't get back. You can always make more money. And those options are just not available to somebody who has to commute an hour every day, work eight, nine hours a day, commute home, and fit in the rest of their life. You know, I have the opportunity to exercise at 11 a.m. if I want to, which I frequently do. Most people can only exercise at 5 a.m. or 7 p.m. You know, there's, there's so many trades and there's so many things that you can balance. And, and maybe you are working more hours than their average person is, especially if you count and factor in the time you spend thinking about your business, even if you're not sitting in front of a computer, but you get to choose when those hours are. And that's a huge benefit for people. Yeah. I feel like it, it always depends on like what the person needs and what they're, they adapt to because everyone has a different schedule for being an entrepreneur. Maybe someone does have those days off or, and the other days they work 13, 14 hours. It always depends on someone's schedule. So I want to know, how did you learn all your skills that you implement in your business? If that's being like time management, photography, um, brand strategy, everything, like how did you implement those skills? So most of them I learned on the fly and you know, I will say there are times I see a need. I recognize, okay, this is a weakness of mine, or this is something I just don't even know where to start searching on. In those cases, I typically either buy a course or I hire a coach to guide me in that area. If it's something small, like learning a new piece of tech, you can almost always find free tutorials. I have spent a lot of time on tech support with some of the various tools that I use in my business. If their help file is just not cutting it, I hop on live chat. And sometimes you have to wait a while. Sometimes the response time isn't um, you know, what you wish it would be and you're not going to get immediate answers, but it's free. So use what's free what you cannot find free, that's where you need to pay. And there are plenty of people who will tell you, you get what you pay for out there. There's a lot of really low cost ways to learn the gist of most skills. And then once you know the basics, the foundation, the mechanics of how it works, then if you want to get to more specialized learning, you can either figure out parts of it yourself because you now know the foundation or you can go the hiring route. But there's different ways to learn all of this. Um, in terms of actual photography, I learned by doing. And I am definitely the kind of person who is a hands-on learner. But in terms of other things, like strategic 
methods, like how I, how I created my brand strategy program for clients. That was something that I partly learned over time, but I also incorporated a lot of what I read. You know, the, the saying readers are leaders. It's true. You know, the average CEO reads 50 books a year and the average person in America, at least after they graduate high school, doesn't even read one full book a year. And I think that's a huge difference. And books are cheap. You can get them for free through your library, even with libraries being closed largely due to quarantine right now. Most libraries have, you know, ebook available. And there's no reason not to make use of those resources. And then once you're making money in your business, sure, for those specialized skills, go ahead and hire someone to help you. Thank you. I love that because a lot of people don't really share that they learn from different, you know, topics and different things, for example, books or online courses. A lot of people just say, oh, I learned it by myself. But saying that you learned it by yourself, you had to, there's times that you learn it from somewhere else and then you incorporate it and say you learn it from yourself. So I really love that you shared about that fact about CEOs reading over 50 books. I never really thought of that. That's really, really interesting. So I want to know a little bit more about like what services do you offer and what exactly are each one's? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I offer a few different services in my current business. So the primary service that I offer is brand strategy. And I also offer brand photography, which is becoming a smaller part of my business these days, since I, like I said earlier, want to be doing less in-person work with clients. I do love photography and that love will never go away. It'll always be here with me. But right now, gaining more income without having to be in person is is more important for my current life priorities. So in terms of brand strategy, I have a few different ways of working with me. I have a premier one-on-one. I work with the clients and we collaborate together to create an entire brand handbook, which basically is like your business's guidebook. It tells you who you are, who you're working with, how you're working with them, and then what to say, where to say it, and how to attract visually so that you can build the clientele that will pay you money and allow you to have a thriving business. That's one one one-on-one service. I also offer a version of that service in my course format, which is much more approachable financially. And then I have some lower entry-level options. I have a service, for example, called the show up system. It's a digital product you can buy online for only $27 that gets people started, especially when they're newer to online business and learning how to show up for themselves, learning how to, you know, just, just be online, especially if they're not trying to sell. A lot of people don't know what to say. You know, they hop on, you know, an Instagram live or, you know, they want to film a, a YouTube video and they're like, buy my stuff. And they don't know anything else to say because no one's trained them. So I have some products like that that are meant for more entry-level business owners as well. Thank you. I am really interested that you do have like those different ranges of prices because I know there's a lot of businesses that don't offer that. It's very just much as like one high cost, you know, $700, $800,000 product. But I'm really excited and happy to know that there's someone that does offer a lower price item for anyone that does need something that you know, isn't going to hit your financial, you know, numbers or anything. You're not going to, you know, get worried about how much you're spending on a course. And I'm pretty sure I know that even your low cost courses do have so much information that people can learn about. 
Yeah. And like, I mean, I charge 27 for the show up system, for example, I can 100% honestly tell you it's worth hundreds in terms of information. But when you're selling to somebody for the very first time, you have that trust factor to overcome. And you're always going to want to front load the value versus the price in, in an entry level type product. That said, that's not to discount the value that's in there. I fully stand behind that product. I've sold it uh, 70 times in the last month, I believe, and only one person's wanted a refund. It just wasn't a good fit for them. And I think that's really a powerful testimonial because one of the things I like to guide my one-on-one clients with is having a, a client journey, a customer journey that does hit all of those points. Like you said, having different price points, having something in that $27 range, having something that's a few hundred dollars, something that's in the thousands. It hits people where they're at and guides them along the journey. Because if I've done a good job at my $27 level, then it, you know the thing that's a few hundred dollars becomes much more affordable because my clients are starting to make money with the information that they gained at that entry level. Yeah, I love that. I'm really excited because I want, you know, maybe I'm going to purchase that $27 one to learn more and see how your program can help me. So I love your website because when I was researching a little bit about you, I was looking at your Instagram, your website, everything. So I want to know what gave you inspiration to format your website the way it is? Yeah, so originally... Well, I don't want to say originally, because this is probably the third version of this website in seven years. So, uh, but my, my first version of the website was what I would call more of a brochure style website where I had, you know, a few different pages on the website. You know, there was the homepage that was saying like, Hey, I do brand strategy and brand photos. And then the about me, which was just, you know, Brittany does this. She's done this for X amount of years. These are the things she offers. And I had a blog and I had a contact page and I think I had a portfolio for the the photo aspect of it. And then the next version of my website was far more robust, but it was also more free flowing. So the main page of my website was very, very long and included most of what I just covered on that main page. I still had a separate page for a contact area, a separate page for the blog posts, but it was less of a brochure and more of one long stream of information. And the version I have today is actually kind of halfway between those two. And the reason for that is people still like the opportunity to click around. I didn't want everything to be just on one page because some people just want to feel like, hey, if I click here, I'm actually getting something more, even though the same information was, was on the one long page. But I also want for SEO reasons to have enough text and copy on each page to hit all my SEO markers. So I still don't want, you know, tiny little pages like I had in that very first brochure style version. Thank you. And I really appreciate that you share that it does take you a couple versions to get your perfect website because I know a lot of people are just like, I'm going to create one and I'm done. Like this is my perfect website, but no, like once you're able to grow and see a little bit of like your business, like showing up in different pages and people, new people coming to support, you realize that your website might not be exactly what you wanted. Um, I'm currently in that stage that I thought my website was the best thing ever. Like I formatted it the way I wanted. Like I thought it was cute. And now I'm at a point eight months after I created it. I'm like, I don't like this anymore. Like I want to style it different. I want to get it more 
open for people to like book on there, people to find out more, like to see more information, to see more of my projects. So I really appreciate that you share that because it is something that a lot of different type of um, entrepreneurs don't really share. Like it's not very common for people to say, oh, I went through, you know, 10, three, five drafts to get to where I am now. So um, I know that you say that you have had a lot of clients and a lot of people purchase your products. So how do you attract your client, your dream client, or just clients in general? That is a loaded question. And the answer is going to be, it depends, because even for me, it changes at different times. So right now, because of what's going on in our world with this virus that's kind of shut everything down, a lot of people are nervous to spend larger chunks of money. And because of that, I have shifted my primary focus from some of my higher ticket items, those multi-thousand dollar options, to some of my lower end items. So the show-up system is $27. Obviously, it's vastly more appealing to someone who's money conscious than something that's $1,800 or $3,500. So how I attract for a product like that, I'm looking for a lot of traffic versus just a small segment of traffic that's very attuned to what I offer. So when I'm looking for a lot of traffic, I have started doing more Facebook ads than I used to. And I'm spending more time on places like Instagram, engaging with cold audience. Whereas, you know, even just a few months ago, I was really pushing my one-to-one brand strategy option. It's called Instant Badass Brand. And it is multiple thousands of dollars. Don't get me wrong, I still love to do that work and I'm still open to do that work. But right now, because I am pushing a smaller end product, I need a lot of traffic to make the appropriate amount of money with a smaller entry level price. So how I attract clients in general when I'm not talking about a product specific focus is showing up with value. I 100% believe the more value you give away for free, the more people will come looking for more. And if you've done it right, if you've set up the the free products, the free information that you put out there in a way that is strategic, you will get people who are willing to pay. I know there are some people out there who say, if you give things away for free, people are always going to expect you to keep giving things away for free. If you've done it strategically, that is not the case. One of the reasons I packed so much value into that $27 product, for example, is to show people, hey, I'm not going to hold back on value. I'm always going to provide value for you guys here. My free products also provide value. They just don't connect all the dots. My paid products provide value, connect more dots, so people are led along a journey. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I was able to see a little bit more of like what exactly you offer and I like how you say that like each of them have like a different stage, but that each of them are able to help you. And I feel like that's really, really important when starting a business, because if you offer something that is, you know, at a low price, but they don't feel like they're getting so much information, it's not going to be as valued. Um, so thank you for that. And I also found out that you do have a podcast, correct? Yes, I do. So I want to know what was the reason behind starting your podcast and what can be seen if someone like wants to, lo- wants to listen to your podcast? Yeah. So my show, my podcast is called The No Like, and Trust Show. And I named it that because of a quote by a brilliant man named Bob Berg. 
And he is quoted as saying, all things being equal, people are more likely to do business with and refer business to those that they know, like, and trust. And I'm a brand strategist. I talk about personal branding, setting you the person up as the brand that people come to that they know, that they like, and that they trust. So it was a natural name for my show. And the reason I started the show in the first place is because I was feeling very stifled with the options at that time for me to get more information out to people. I personally love to read, so reading blog posts is very preferable to me. I personally, sometimes as a mother, struggle to find time to listen to a whole bunch of podcasts or podcasts that have 45-minute or hour-long episodes. So I wanted to create a podcast that was for people like me, people who want hard-hitting, like fact-packed information, but not to invest a ton of time and talking around subjects. So since I couldn't find a show like that, I decided I was going to create one. And that's exactly what I did. It's been going for about four years ago, four years now, excuse me. And I did take a small break in between when I had my second son, but I want to provide personal branding information that any small business owner can apply immediately to their business. Thank you. And I am really, you know, surprised to know that you've been doing it for four years. And I know that it just started like the podcast world. It's just like hitting a spot right now that everyone is creating a podcast. Like there's so many places to create one. So I want to know a little bit about how was it starting your podcast four years ago and what's the difference of the podcast world four years ago to now? Yeah. So I think four years ago, there was a little bit more cachet in having a podcast because it seemed unapproachable. So much like when I started my first business, there just wasn't a lot of entrepreneurial information or guidance or, or things out there that I could find for either free or low cost. I feel the same way about podcasting four years ago, five years ago and such. And it did, I will say, take me about a year to actually get off my bum and create the podcast from the time that I first had the idea to actually doing it. I feel like today there's so much content that helps people create a podcast. There's the only reason that you would would not do it is if you're struggling with procrastination. So you can put out a, a low-end podcast like in 20 minutes. You know, I mean, from, hey, I have this idea to releasing your first episode. It can really be that quick. I didn't do it that way. I wanted all my, you know, I's dotted, all my T's crossed. And I have a husband who's actually a trained audio engineer. So he was really picky about the sound quality that I put out there, which stressed me out horribly. Like I used to record all my podcast episodes in our closet because the clothes would, you know, dampen any other noise sounds. And that was something that for me to continue doing it this long, I had to kind of just get over and release that perfectionism. But ultimately, Starting a podcast today is a lot easier. Getting to be a guest on the podcast is so much easier because there are so many more shows. But marketing is actually a lot harder because there are so many. It's, it's more of a struggle to stand out. And that's one of those areas that personal branding and brand strategy, the way I teach it, can really help someone get a leg up on the others. Thank you. I'm really interested. I was really interested to know a little bit about like what it was starting a podcast four years ago because I didn't even know podcasts were a thing. Like it wasn't so popular 
about podcasts until probably 2019, 2020, that podcast started hitting the lines and every content creator started creating a podcast. And that kind of inspired me to create a podcast because I am so new too. But as you're saying, like it is a hard way to market and do marketing, marketing your podcast because there's so many similar ones nowadays. For example, you can find probably like a thousand entrepreneurial podcasts, but how are you going to get your name out there if there's a thousand different ones? Like, it's really, really interesting to know, like, how it's grown so much and how it's, like, at the same time hard. It's easy to make one, but it's hard to, like, get your audience. Yeah, well, you're doing it right. I mean, you have a really great niche. You know, you didn't just say, well, you know, I'm a teenager and I want to, you know, have a business. I guess I'll do a podcast about business. You said, no, I'm going to have a really tight focus. And I think that's going to be what allows your show to grow much faster than somebody who just does a general topic business podcast because you've got a very clear best client or best audience in this case defined just through the the name and your focus and I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to really focus on a specific niche because I said, yeah, maybe I could do an entrepreneurial like boss big journey type of one, but I was like, no, like I want to focus exactly on teens to help teens and I know there wasn't any other podcast like this so I said I'm going to be the first one to start it so I think like putting down my niche has helped me grow because I have grown and I just launched not even like a probably not even like a month ago and I have already grown so much and that's just because I really targeted like who I wanted to target and I got the audience that I wanted to get so thank you for those tips I really appreciate them (laughs) um so I know that you have been able to make a change in people's lives. Um, so what was it like when that first person told you you made a change in their business life, in their life in general? Um, you know, that's, that's a really good question. I think the first version of that I experienced was somebody who said, I never thought I could do business this way. Thank you for showing me this perspective. And it wasn't those exact words, of course, but that was the first time I realized that I wasn't just doing the surface level of work, but I was doing deeper work. And it really shaped how I looked at what I did. Because as a photographer in particular, it can be, it can be construed as very superficial. Like, oh, you make someone look pretty and here they are. And I always, in the early days, struggled with that because it wasn't to me, just about making someone look pretty. I think that when someone feels good about themselves, they're more confident. They feel more empowered to make bigger, better decisions. And maybe that means that they're going to take bigger risks, which means they have a much greater reward in the end. Or, and this is the case with many of my clients today, giving them the tools to be visible to their best client is what it is required for them to actually help that client. So I call it the ripple effect, right? So if I take you and your business and I offer you a brand strategy that allows you to connect with 100 people instead of just the 10 people that you are currently connecting with, then you've turned around and helped 90 additional people. And if those 90 additional people are doing something in their world to help others, whether it's for business, for personal, doesn't matter. They're going to turn around and affect more people. And let's say that, you know, the people you're helping don't own their own businesses, but they just become a nicer person. That means they're nicer to their mother, they're nicer to their best friend, they're nicer to their significant other, they're nicer to any siblings that they have around them. And that's a positive ripple effect. And I 100% believe that if we all just did things for the greater good, this world would become a much 
much nicer place. And it was an extension of that first comment, like, hey, I, I really didn't think I could look at my business this way. Thank you for showing me that. That led to this ripple effect thinking. And conversely, I have a lot of clients who come to me and their initial problem is something along the lines of, I really need to get more clients. I just need to make more money. What They think that's their initial problem. But if I start asking them questions, what, what typically surfaces is something along the lines of, but I just want to help people. I don't want to sell to them. And they need me or someone like me to say, well, if you just want to help people, why don't you do it for free? Well, I mean, I have to make money. Okay, well, then you have to sell. But I don't want to sell. And you know, it's, it's this whole mindset thing, and it goes back and forth. And once I help my clients realize that by selling whatever product or service they offer, they can help more people, they start their own ripple effect. But that would never happen if we didn't start that process. Thank you for that. Because I feel like it's really important when your mindset starts of wanting to be an entrepreneur. Like you start thinking, oh, I want to help people, but I need to make money. But I want to help people. Um, I don't want to have like a sales pitch, but I need to make money. Like there's different ways you can help people and you don't really have to, because money's not always the number one. If that's like your number one, I feel like that's something that you should think about before starting your entrepreneurial journey, because it does, you do have to have a lot of steps before you get, you know, your first client, your first payment. And it's really, really important. And I really thank you for sharing that because it is something that a lot of people don't really share that it's common that people think differently and they want to help but money but this and this and that like there's so much steps before getting somewhere that you need to be and that's exactly what someone that is a brand strategist like you does it you help people lead them into the way that they want to be and your ripple effect is something that I've never heard of and I really really love that it was really interesting to know like how you came up with it and how it focuses on helping people not not just in the money aspect but in a free aspect as well so I want to know, do you have any future goals or plans? Because I know I have so many. Do you have any? Uh, yeah, also so many. So um, to narrow that down a little bit, at least, I my primary goal right now is to increase my own audience. And one of the ways I'm doing that is with some, you know the lower entry level product. But the reason I'm doing that is because once I have a wider audience in that regard, I can narrow that down to people I can help in a very focused, very specific way. And that's probably, I would say, 2020's goal as a whole. Thank you. I love that. I love how you like kind of put a whole year for a goal. Um, that's kind of like what I have to do because I have so many goals. Like my goal is like, I want to make merchandise. I want to do this. I want to have an ambassador team. I want to do that. And it's just like, coming down to like figuring out when and what I'm going to do each one because it does take time and it's really important to take your time and do something. So we're kind of coming to the end of this podcast. I really enjoyed learning about your story and I hope all my listeners are able to learn more. Um, and if you guys want to know more, she'll tell you guys at the end where you can find her. But I want to know what advice would you give other teens who want to start their own business? Uh, advice piece number one is just do it. Don't let anybody stop you. When I first started my first business, there were so many people who were like, you can't do that. And it didn't help that even though I was 19, 20 or so, I looked about 14. I, I had a very young appearance even then. And as a wedding photographer, I was asking people to give me thousands of dollars. And I mean, 
not that many people are willing to give thousands of dollars to somebody who looks like they're 14 and it didn't matter how mature or responsible I was if they didn't know me, right? Again, building up that know, like, and trust factor early on, it's very helpful. But there were a lot of people who said I couldn't do it. There were a lot of people who said I could go, I should just go back to school and I could always start a business later. And it wasn't until I was about, I think I was 24. I was at a business networking event for other wedding industry professionals. And there was someone I was talking to and they were probably in their mid thirties, I would say at the time. And they looked at me and they said, you know, Brittany, how old are you? And I said, 24. And they're like, man, I can only imagine where I would be in life if I had just gotten my stuff together and done it at 24. And I still remember that, that conversation. I remember the tree that was right behind that person as they were talking to me. I remember what shirt they were wearing because it was one of those moments that really just struck me and stayed with me. And the reason for that is because I felt validated for probably the first time ever. You know, I had people in my life personally close to me, very good people I loved, who I felt had never really truly believed in me. And here was this virtual stranger, someone I kind of knew, who had just validated me. And it was really nice. So my advice is is do it, do it raw, do it messy, however you need to. Don't do things illegally. I'm just saying, like, just go ahead, put yourself out there and see where it goes. Don't spend a lot of money when you're starting things up because you need to keep every bit you can. But know that when you're first starting, you're going to be investing a lot of time if you aren't investing a lot of money. And that's okay. Thank you. I I really, really appreciate that because that tip that you shared is something that I went through. I started out, I didn't invest any money in here. Like I already had my computer, I had my laptop, I had my iPad, my phone. And usually you could just start a business with just your phone. It does have to add on to a computer and such later on. But I did zero investment in money, but I did full investment in time. It took me I just started my page by posting on Instagram once. I created an Instagram account and I posted something. But the difference is that from posting that Instagram account to where I am now, I've probably worked probably over, you know, 500 hours in those last eight months, probably more, and just wanting to build that. And I'm still not in my perfect stage of my business. I'm still trying to get there. And like you said, it does take time and it's really important to just start because if I would have never posted that eight months ago, where would I be? Like, I wouldn't have been accepted into my dream college. I wouldn't have all these opportunities. I wouldn't be able to meet all these amazing other entrepreneurs. And it's just your mindset being like, I am going to start and I'm going to do it today. So thank you for that. Um, now that our podcast is over, I want to say thank you for being on my podcast. I really was able to learn so much about you and I hope listeners were able to learn too. So feel free to tell everyone where they can find you. Yeah. So if you want to find me on social media, the place I hang out most often is Instagram. My username is I am Brittany Gardner. It's I-A-M-B-R-I-T-N-E-Y-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And my website is also BrittanyGardner.com. If you're looking for entry-level product that I was talking about, the show up system, it's available at theshowupsystem.com. Thank you. I really appreciate you being on my podcast. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, helping people along this journey is is one of my great joys. As I said, that once I got into the deeper work, I I really became attached to the idea of the ripple effect. So if I can help anybody through being here, I am 
here for that. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about Brittany's story and my story. Now, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. See you next time.